0: Welcome to episode 19 of the Helpful Huddle podcast. Thank you so much for listening in today. In our episode today, I get the opportunity to interview Jen Petiro. She is doing amazing work, and I am super excited for this interview. You are in for a treat as we dive into her story and how she is changing the world. So turn up your volumes, sit back, and relax, and enjoy this episode welcome back to the helpful huddle podcast i'm your host luke and this for people that have no idea is our second run at this because i had computer issues but welcome to jen say hi to the people jen
1: hello everyone
0: (laughs) um and i like to start these interviews off by telling a quick story of how we met it's now 10 minutes ago or so (laughs) (laughs) um we we met virtually uh some emails back and forth and we got this all settled up and she has bared with me through technical difficulties for the last few minutes so she's awesome but i'm really looking forward to this interview and that kind of just wraps up our intro to how we met each other
1: <laughs> <It> does
0: <laughs> um but i am ready to hopefully fingers crossed get started and <laughs> go all the way through how do you feel
1: i feel great let's let's do it again
0: Let's do it all again. So I like to start off these interviews broad and I want to learn so much more about you as a person. So I want to know your story. I want to know how childhood to now, how you got to this point, any, anything that you're willing to share and take as long as you want with that.
1: Okay. Well, I was born to a very traditional Italian father and mother. My father came off the boat, literally, from Italy. He was 15 and his parents wanted him to have an American opportunity. And my grandfather took him here because when my grandmother showed up with them at the dock in Italy, she sneezed one too many times and they said, you can't go. And oh, so the boys came and I bet they didn't miss her much. <laughs> and she followed a year later. So My father didn't even speak English, but he knew America, you know, he knew his Uh community. And, you know, so he was excited. He went to school in in the U S they came to New York where my grandfather had sisters. So he was raised very traditionally with everybody raising him. And he met my mom also Italian, but she was born here and they wanted to have a similar, you know, traditional Italian family. So I was the first born, I'm one of the first of four and they expected me to follow suit to get an education because this was america my father got an engineering degree but i think that they expected me to have kids you know get married and have kids in my 20s probably early 20s and that was not the path i saw for myself i wanted to break out of that tradition and be in the corporate world and climb the corporate ladder and i loved the TV business, I loved watching TV, and, and I wanted to be in the TV business. And so I was fortunate enough to get a job, led to another job. And for 12 years, I was a single woman living that life that to me was everything in New York. And wow. um, just wanted that, you know, that um, corner office on the top floor. And I was vice president marketing for a couple of television syndication companies. And it was a crazy workaholic life. You know, it's it was busy, a lot of travel, wonderful things. But you know, I got a job that a great job that I loved. However, one quiet afternoon in my pretty apartment, I heard a voice in me from Mm -hmm. here. It definitely wasn't a head voice, because it was a strange, strange voice. And it it asked me a question. And and the question was, if this is the next 30 years of your life, is this enough? And Luke, that really stopped me because I had never, I'd never thought that I was on the wrong path. I thought I was on the right path. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, I realized that there was something missing in my life. And if I didn't figure it out, I'd be trying to figure it out my whole life. And there was this hole in me and I very soon realized that it was a little bit of that traditional family that that I didn't really think was for me and especially having kids around so I, I had to figure out for myself a way to bring children into my life where I could still continue my career Because at Mm -hmm. that point, I didn't understand purpose. You know, when I was growing up, nobody talked about purpose. Nobody said, find your purpose before you find a job. They said, find a job. Yep. And I started reading in emergency shelters, the places where police and social worker brought children who were traumatized and, you know, violently hurt in places and homes where they were supposed to be taken care of. You know, we all read those stories see them on the news and I had seen one recently and I, and I called the police and I said where do you bring these children maybe I could go there and, and read or do something you know and so they gave me some numbers of local shelters every city has them sadly and I called and I said can I come and read to the children at night is that is that a possibility and they welcomed me they said sure that would be that would be lovely and I went in I went in the first night in my business suit after work with some children's books Mm -hmm. and I sat on the floor of a very bare room there were no chairs big for big people just little kids and I didn't know much about the kind of place it was but it was an emergency shelter where they took children either alone or with somebody who was running with them for safety Mm -hmm. and that's where they were going to be processed which is a horrible word to use but that's where they would start paperwork on children who hopefully couldn't go back to those places that were not caring for them, but to find a new, a new life for these kids. So I would read there and, you know, they were pretty quiet because they were traumatized. They were afraid, you know, some of them were (laughs) little and I, I just, you know, kept them together and, you know, read and read and read 45 minutes to an hour. And one night after that, they didn't say much because like I said, they were uncomfortable. They didn't know what was happening. They were going to take them to sleep, which they always did when I finished. And I followed to see what their room would look like to go to sleep in their bedroom. And I don't know why I was shocked because I was just i, I was just so oblivious to the situation and, and the, the places, what they were like. And it was the, mm. the people there were so nice, but it was bare. You know, they were huddled together on futons and couches and cots and things and, you know, small mm. beds and trying to sleep and, you know, crying and. They were sleeping in their clothes, the same things that they had been worn. You could see way too long. Some of them didn't fit. Some of them were, were dirty and they were they were frightened and and then lights out. And I stood there you know, frozen watching this and memories of my mom and the bedtime she gave us four kids was was loving and and happy and fun. And, you know, I never thought about it until that night I was staring at these kids in this unacceptable nighttime you know lack of routine lack of love lack of anything and mm-hmm. I asked as they were taking me back to leave back to the door can I bring some pajamas next time and they thought that was a lovely idea and all week I couldn't get that idea those kids out of my mind and I went crazy and bought a lot of pajamas you know and a lot of yeah. books I was all excited went back in my business suit again and read to them and then started giving out the pajamas and one little girl was so afraid of me, so afraid to come near me, and she didn't want to take anything from me. She just kept shaking her head, no. And I kept trying gently because I didn't understand. The other kids took them and went to that room. And finally, I tried one more time with her, and I knelt down with the pink pajamas. And I told her they were pink. She'd love them because there was a little pink in her purple top, which was soiled, and her hair was a mess. Her pigtails, nails were lopsided. Her shoes were like size 10. She must have been about six or so. And I just said, honey, don't you want your pajamas? They're so soft. You can keep them. You can wear them to bed and you'll feel so comfy. And she leaned in and she asked me, what are pajamas? And she could hardly say the word pajamas. She struggled before she could say it. And she kept saying, what are they? And that, Luke, was the beginning of the end of the whole corporate dream and the beginning of a whole new life that i had to learn how how to live
0: wow that that's a truly incredible story and i mean it's it's honestly really eye opening because that does this happens in every city just like you mentioned and there's unfortunately so many kids out there that don't have that loving home and are are somewhere that they're not i mean obviously the workers are doing the best they can but it's just not the same right so but i w- i want to keep going on that same conversation of like a whole you mentioned whole new life so dive into a little bit more of what you do now well
1: i couldn't really i i couldn't keep the same enthusiasm for my corporate career and right. It got very difficult um, financially, buying so many pajamas and running around and books. And, you know, between the financial mess I got myself into and not caring about my job and bosses realizing who is this person that's taken over Genevieve's body, I knew I'd be fired or, or quit. If I didn't quit, I was afraid to quit. I was afraid to tell anybody what I was doing because what do you say? I'm going to quit this job that's, that's you know, keeping my mortgage paid and giving me this life that I worked so hard for because I want to give pajamas to children for the rest of my life. Cause you don't understand. They don't have them. They don't even know what they are. That sounded crazy. It sounds still crazy when I say it to you. So right. I didn't tell anyone what I was doing and I was leading literally a double life running here, running there, not saying why making a mess of my job and my, my finances. And I, I tried to tell one friend and she just said, she thought I was crazy. She said, why would you do that? Why can't you do that? Like on Saturday, why do you have to give everything up? And she just didn't get it, but I was obsessed. Mm -hmm. So it started to, you know, just take over my life. Um, And while most people thought I was crazy, I met a nice guy at the time and he's very spiritual. And when I got up the courage to tell him, he said, I think you should go for it. And That was that was really that was really helpful. So between then and for, for 20 years building pajama program with just I say moxie. I knew nothing about it. I knew I didn't even know it would be a nonprofit. I didn't even know how to make money at it. I thought I'd work at McDonald's at night. But we've grown incredibly with more than 40 chapters around the U S more than 7 million pajamas and books given to children, you know, money raised and uh, events and, you know, tens of thousands of volunteers and sponsors. And it's just been a real lesson in finding purpose and how it changes everything.
0: That's amazing. And I think, I think so- something that I want to talk about more with you is like that word purpose. And like, what it I I want to know like one what it means to you, and if that's different from what I think a lot of people think purpose means. So I guess what I'm I want you to answer back to what I say like when I think purpose traditionally I it I feel like it's an overused word to kind of and it's more of finding finding your purpose. I feel like is more. Do, almost doing what people think you should do not so much what you want to do and i don't know if that makes sense because i actually didn't think about it before this but what what i think that you're found fi- you're finding is like your true heart of heart purpose for like l- what living like what you do you're so wholeheartedly passionate about it and I'd love for you to expound on that because I feel like I'm giving you a lot of word vomit because I actually don't have the words that I'm looking for right now.
1: Um. Well, I think purpose is what you said, the word is heart. What your heart is telling you to do. But we, my generation, we weren't trained to even know that word or to consider that word. So now it is becoming more popular, which is a great thing because all of us are here for a reason. And whether we think we can't make money playing the piano or, you know, we love animals, but you know, we make a lot more money being an attorney. People expect me to get a job, but it never ends well. It it just doesn't. You're, you're If you're not following your heart, you're, especially if you're following somebody else's suggestions, at some point you feel a hole in your heart. And it's happening to a lot of people now because covid and everything scared the life out of all of us and everyone is now saying hey there's, there's no meaning in my life i'm just waking up and going to work i don't even like this job or i don't even feel like i'm contributing i, I or i like the company but nobody's listening to me or can i be, how can i be more more part of the team so everyone is reflecting on their heart now our heart was open during this awful covid time to to wake up it's it's waking us up so your purpose is also your legacy. It's like, what yeah. do you want to do? What do you want to contribute in this world? It's it's not necessarily at the end of your life, as you're living it, it. You're building a legacy. And if you're working with other people, you're building a legacy together. So for Pajama program, we're still building the legacy. It's it's everybody's contribution that leaves well, contributes and leaves something beautiful here. So Purpose is following your heart. It's doing, taking the time to think about it and being brave enough to do it. And if you haven't done it till now, brave enough to bring it up from the back burner.
0: I think that is such an amazing part of the story and something that I want to ask you of like, I guess, how did, how did your, I guess your, cause it sounds like your purpose, like your Drive to do what you wanted to do and what you were doing, it had to get to a point where it out that whatever was in you outweighed the comfort zone that you were in. What was that trend? I guess what was that transition like is what I'm trying to ask.
1: Um, it was difficult at the beginning until I saw and trusted other people who did understand and did want to help. I had. A story about a little girl and i learned that if i told people about what she asked me and and i and i shared her story that people then understood now not everybody of course i'm sure there are lots of people who i don't know who like turned away from me shaking their head like you know she's crazy when she mm-hmm. gives up but you don't need everybody you just need the right people and so they rally the right people will rally around you when you when you share your purpose and you talk about it. the human connections amazing it's an amazing amazing phenomenon that how people will come to your aid will support you will help you the world opens up mysterious miracles happen when you're on purpose it's just we we need to we need to take a, take a chance
0: I think that's something that so many people are so hesitant to do and whether it's for one reason or another, I know for me that like the quote unquote fear of failure was, is always on my mind with it. Like what if plan A fails? What's plan B, plan C, but sometimes there's not a plan B and there's no explanation behind it, but you you just go for it. I think it's really scary for people.
1: Yeah, it's burning the boats, if you know that expression.
0: I, I do know that expression, burn the boats. <laughs>
1: burn the boats, that's it. <laughs> I mean, I always said to my my new husband after, you know, when we got married, um, I could work at McDonald's. You know, I could do the midnight shift. I could do that if I can't pay my share of the bills for, you know, any, any longer, whatever. Um, I never had to apply, but I got
0: close. Wow. I mean,
1: it's, it's scary. It's scary, but... You know, that's when magic happens.
0: And I actually wanted to ask you with that, because I didn't know, obviously, that you just said it got it got close. Um, what, I guess, like, what inside of you kept you going on that path when it got hard?
1: Um, well, the kids, obviously, the children. And, you know, I, I learned some of the stories, and I remember that one of the caretakers said in, in passing, she would probably would never know that it kept me going. But she said, you know, these children have had so many people disappoint them. And I went home and I said, I'm not going to be another person who disappoints them. I am not. And I'd see their faces when I would go, whether I'd seen them before, or never. They would get excited about the pajamas. They loved them. They'd put them on right away over the clothes or they'd be taking their clothes off and be standing there naked, putting on the pajamas because they were soft and comfortable and they fit and they were clean. It was a present. It was brand new. And I just, I, I was obsessed with them. It was just their, their innocence and certainly didn't deserve where, where they were and why they were, you know, in that position. And I just felt that Maybe that mothering that I didn't give my own children was strong. You know, I just, um, I just couldn't disappoint them.
0: I understand. I I understand as most that I can when it comes to something like that. Um, Wow. There's so many ways, places I can take. I want to take this conversation, but I'm trying to stay a little bit focused. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess on the backside of it, you went down this path of like starting your own nonprofit, and I know that you obviously had an education going through it but it was it I, I, I assume it was different than what you ended up getting into so I guess my question behind it is like how how did you learn what you needed to do to take this initiative and take this into what you've made it
1: you know I, I wasn't prepared. I didn't know anything about nonprofit. I didn't even know that's what I was starting. I didn't even know what a 501c3 was. I had to learn all of that. But the skills I did have, um, creativity, marketing, the things I used in marketing television were great skills for marketing any message. Mm-hmm. And I have moxie. I, I jump, you know, there are times when I jumped from one position to another opportunity, hoping that it would be what I wanted it to be without knowing for sure. So I have that gene, you know, Gosh. it's not always doesn't serve me well often, but usually I can sort of figure out how to swim. So. I had to learn step-by-step step. And, and I had to learn how to ask for help. You know when 12 years mm. into a career when you're doing real well, you don't feel very comfortable asking about something you know nothing about because then they're, all the questions come and then they want to know what you're doing and why. And you know, it, you just lose your confidence, which happened to me. So mm. I had to force myself to ask for help. And when I did again, the human connection doesn't disappoint
0: it does it and I guess that leads me to one of my next questions like did you have mentors along the way
1: um I did I did have I had them in my business and I sought them out in in this new venture because I didn't know anything about it and I was really afraid because it's a whole government thing it's a whole tax thing it's a whole application thing and you know I was not prepared but I I wanted to do it because I felt it was a responsibility once people wanted to help. Mm -hmm. So I had to do a lot of, a lot of business things, a lot of legal things, a lot of um, accounting things that were not marketing. And that training was on the job that was asking other nonprofit leaders for help. Um, Thankfully, There are a lot of people going to nonprofit because they want to help. And so they will help a a poor girl who's, you know, who's losing her shirt, but wants to help these kids. So they gave me their time and their guidance and that helped. But again, I had to pick up the phone and ask for help. And it was, it was not easy, but, um, but now, I mean, I I will, will help anybody because it's, I understand the Mm -hmm. fear and the you know the doubt when you're starting something new especially if it's halfway through your corporate life you're making this change
0: wow no and and i i can totally resonate with not being good at always asking for help Mm. i think a lot of people do also struggle with that of they want to figure it out on their own and it's a lot easier when you ask, especially people that have it done so it.
1: Long. It takes so long when you don't ask. And you know, for me, that was always the money concern. And so if I didn't ask and it took me a month, that was a month of bills that I couldn't pay because I was afraid to ask for support or ask. So, um, yeah, we all struggle with that. I don't know why, because once you start asking, people want to help.
0: Mm-hmm. No, they they do. And I think that's also the weirdest, not the weirdest, the hardest part to at least understand why we have trouble asking for help. Because anyone I because I, I also feel like anyone that. Pretty much anyone is always is willing to help, not obviously not 100 percent, but people are always willing to help. And I don't think I've ever asked anyone something and they said no. Like and I and I lived in New York City and it's like I when you move there, I don't know where anything is. I don't know if I'm on the uptown or downtown train, but, but people ask, you ask and people respond and it's 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 kind of crazy, I think.
1: Yeah um, I think we just think that other people instinctively magically know everything and we're the dumb one and we're going to be perceived as the dumb one. I don't know why we're so insecure. I don't know why we don't want to let anyone know that we need help. And I don't know why we think everybody else was born knowing it all. And they're going to look at us like, you know, we're, we didn't get in the right line to get in in our brain.
0: (laughs) No, yeah, (laughs) that's, you're absolutely right. Um, But some, something else I wanted to ask you, because this. What you're doing has turned into like you talked about a movement, and you can see it over. I think it's your right shoulder. You wrote a book, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. if people don't know, very popular. Like I believe, I believe it's got like Oprah's stamp of approval, and <laughs> every and everything like that. But talk to us. Can you? Do you mind explaining what the book is about?
1: Yes. Well, after I was executive director for 20 years, and of course I'll always be the founder, I wanted to write my book and speak and teach purpose and legacy. So I uh, passed the baton of executive director to um, Jamie Dice, who who was one of the presidents of our boards. And so she's running it now. And I my career is writing and speaking and teaching about finding your purpose, the power of the human connection, and the power of creating a legacy and so i wrote this because so many people over the years asked me for help or advice on starting something new not necessarily a nonprofit a lot of times but you know purpose is nothing to do with finding a nonprofit it's your right. purpose you can sing you can make millions of dollars if you're on purpose bravo but they wanted to know about change and jumping and some about nonprofit so I would always be very honest like I have been with you and more specifically when I was on you know had one-on-ones about the the challenges and I mm. hoped that and I still hope that my story is is embraced because I think it's comforting for people to know when they're having a hard time that it's not them that they're not dumb that this is this is how it is with, with something new. And I put my heart out there and I told about all the things I did wrong. And I try to say, don't do it this way. Do it this way. And I did it that way. I'm telling you, let's do it this way. But I get you. I get why you put all your best friends on the board of directors, but don't do that. <laughs> They're not <laughs> going to do the work. They're going to say, oh, good. You do it, Jen. This is great. You now let's go for a drink. no. <laughs> But we we all do that. Nonprofit founders, we we do that. We think our hearts in this. Our friends, we love our friends. They love us. They're gonna want to do this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there are lots of things you know I wanted to talk about uh, about the whole journey, and it turned out obviously it's great. Not good. we'll go on and you know forever. Um, but I wanted people to feel that they that they had um, support. And that, that I would, you know, I would understand and be cheering them on.
0: And and I appreciate that about you and about your story. Because I do feel like a lot of times, like, like when you look on social media and things of that nature, everything has like a perfect outlook. And it completely ignores all the mess that someone has had to go through or their life is going through or whatever it might be. But it's the difference in like we can look at now and you have created a su- very successful um, movement, non charity, whatever words you want to use. But there was a lot of trial and error before that. There was the you stepping away from a very successful career in something else to follow something that you had no idea what to do. Um, I think, I think it's, I think that part is incredible. And I think, You sharing the struggle of it, your personal, not struggle or the grind or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) I think that I, I just think it's super important and things that aren't talked about enough.
1: Yeah, I think you're talking about social media. Sure, absolutely. I think we're also worried about what other people are going to think of us. Mm -hmm. You know, we're so worried to let our guard down. We're so worried to cry. I cry all the time. I cry on stage when I speak. I cry. And I, I used to be so embarrassed and hold it in. And then my husband said, why? Why are you holding it in? Just let it let it out, connect with people. Mm-hmm. And that's why I talk about the human connection because we, we stay aloof, we stay you know, back because I think we're afraid of how we're gonna look to someone and we're gonna look at inferior. I don't know why we all, most of us, I don't like to meet the person who feels perfect, But so many of us feel like we're, we're, we look inferior to other people when really we just want to connect on a real raw level.
0: Mm. No, completely agree. And that, and you're touching on something else that I wanted to ask you about, and that is the human connection and more of like, I guess I want to, I want you to expound on the importance of it. And also the importance of something that you just talked about, of like being authentic and real with them.
1: Right. Well, I can tell you an example. Um, When we had the recession in Mm -hmm. um, 2008, seven or eight, you're too young.
0: I know. I was around.
1: (laughs) In New York City, especially, everything was going down, right? Everything was going down. Everybody was losing. Everybody was fearful. New York's never going to come back, they said, you know all, all of that. And of course, nonprofits were being were, were devastated because it was it was hitting us, hitting everyone. We couldn't have benefits because you, you know, nobody had money and nobody wanted to to ask for money because it was all going down. Okay. So I was beside myself thinking again, I can't, I can't let this go down. I know they're falling away, especially if they had these New York investors, you know, with a lot of money. We never had one. I always wanted one of those New York angels. <laughs> but everybody who had New York Angel was losing their their angel. Mm-hmm. So we just had people, ground, you know, the the ground movement of regular people with lots of little monies coming. But I was really, really afraid and I couldn't figure out how to stay afloat in the recession. And I was—I couldn't sleep. It was a mess. So at one of our board meetings, I got up the courage because I always had the ideas. I always had the enthusiasm. I always had the moxie. And I had to say, which killed me, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid and i I need help. I don't know what to do. And one of the board members said to me, I think we should go bowling. Let's do a bowling fundraiser. Now, Luke, I didn't know anybody bowled in New York.
0: You didn't know that there was a bowling alley in New York. I didn't know
1: there was a bowling alley. I (laughs) don't bowl. My parents bowled with the old folks. But I'm thinking, is she crazy? I'm talking we need money. I'm not talking we, we need, you know, $10 $10 cover charge here for a few people bowling, but I had nothing else. So she said, come on, we'll go bowling. We'll raise some money. Let's just see how it goes. Let's go. Let's do bowling. I remember thinking, this is this is crazy. This mm-hmm. is a waste of time, whatever, but I did it. Everybody rallied and we we've been bowling in the middle of the recession. Well, we raised some money, but We raised morale. We raised spirits for everybody who came to have a good time because nobody was having a good time. We provided a good time. Everybody was home upset. So people who ventured out heard our story, had fun bowling, had a drink. We raised some money. But from that point on, it's like those people told people, told people, told people. And we got through. And to this day, I am friends with her and I tease her and I say, you know, <laughs> bowling really is what I wanted to say. But something in her said people will rally. Let's let's take a chance. And that that is my one of my best human connection stories. It was just people needed to feel and they need to feel good.
0: I love that. And I love the response that she your partner gave like it was something so pure (laughs) unexpected but also so needed like and it's deeper now and you kind of look back and see and I'm looking at it from way outside in but she had an insight of what kind of people needed it seemed like and you don't when you're in the thick of things you don't always have that
1: yeah and you know what sometimes Like I don't know if she would have articulated it that way. Like people need to do something good. Sometimes I find when you're on purpose and things are happening, you get some kind of a nudge that you can't explain why this thing comes out of your mouth. Like like I why I said can I bring pajamas next time? There are so many things that I I give credit to God and the universe for those nudges and, and those little voices and inspiration and i just think it might have just been something that she didn't know the power of when she said let's let's have let's go bowling
0: (laughs) and i imagine, and i imagine you're right i do imagine that she didn't know the impact of that to the extent of that that would have
1: yeah yeah
0: um and you've mentioned uh, you've mentioned this other word a couple of times and it's legacy and and i know that and i'm sure it's something that you talk about a lot um especially cuz i know you do coaching classes you're you speak at events but when you talk about legacy one can you like tell tell us a little bit more about like what you mean and then two like how you i guess how you coach or how you nudge people in the right direction to like think about their legacy and what how, what they want it to be like.
1: Yes. Okay. So when, when I say legacy, your purpose is your mm-hmm. legacy, your purpose, no matter what it is, brings good into the world because it's coming from your heart. You are loving this and it's coming with that love. It You're sharing it. People feel it. There's a connection. It's not like you hate numbers and you're an accountant. That energy is very different than you love singing and you found a way to maybe teach singing or sing in, in some kind of a group or write songs or something, that energy you're putting out into the world and to other people is different. So when you're on purpose, when you're brave enough to do what you love or change from what you're doing to what you love, you change your energy and you are contributing good to your family. They will see the difference to your community, to your workspace. Like I said, you can be part of a team. And then if you have an inspiring leader who now many are encouraging people to bring their whole selves to, to work, you feel yeah. better. And that energy is palpable, right? You feel that energy. So that is good in the world. That's what a legacy is. A legacy is leaving, is bringing good to the world and leaving that good. When you are done, when you are finished and it takes, it takes years. It takes a lot of people to build legacies, but we need to get going. We need to yeah. do this together. We we need to, the world needs it. We need it. We need to, this to bring us together and people want to be doing something good. I think we all want to be remembered for doing something good, but while we're doing it, the idea of creating something that's going to leave our mark, that we're, that we're changing things, that we're seeing it happen, that we're inspiring people, that we're removing people. Things are changing for the better because we're brave enough to do something and to, to bring others with us. So legacy is something I think we need to pay attention to and really strive for. I
0: couldn't agree more And and i love everything you're saying and you're making me want to like run through a wall or something like it's, <laughs> it, it is truly motivational and mm-hmm. i just don't want it to get lo- i don't want to get lost in the sauce of like not every legacy is going to be remembered by millions and millions of people yeah
1: no. that's okay
0: exactly that's okay. It, and that's okay
1: if, if, and if, if it's a family you know how many people remember Uncle John grandma grandpa that's yes. enough that's enough that's a legacy. Yes. And that's worth that's worth living for and that's worth being you for and using the talent that you were born with to to leave that impression on a family
0: exactly and and you you mentioned Grandma and my grandma met, left a a big legacy, and and I don't know how many people know it, but like I still think about her now, and it makes me want to be a better person, oh. and that and that's meaningful, and that's one more person that <laughs> is on this earth now that it can pa- hopefully pass that along, and it stems from thinking about my grandma.
1: Yes, yes. A friend of mine, he passed away, and when he he called Well, this man called before we were friends man called me from another state and he said i heard about what you're doing i'd like to talk to you and see if i can get involved and he was a businessman and he ended up getting involved we became friends and he told me soon after when we met in person that his mother was on her deathbed and he must have been in his early 30s and she asked him what is your legacy You've got to think about that. And that's why he decided to explore what he could give and what he could do. And it changed everything for him. And again, it doesn't have to be a nonprofit. Leaders, great leaders leave incredible legacies. People work at businesses and they create things and the way they do it creates a beautiful legacy.
0: Absolutely. And that actually made you mentioned talking about leaders made me think because before, obviously, I try to prepare as much as I can for these interviews. But I was looking at your website. And I know that you do like coaching and leader leadership training. And it makes me and I also imagine that that, that involves coaching people in leadership positions to be better leaders and have that trickle down effect, like you were talking about on the workspace. Do you Without giving too much away, like what what are those meetings like when you're talking to people that are C-suite positions, directors, things like that, but the but you're helping coach them to coach others?
1: hmm. Well. It's it's interesting because even the most successful presidents or vice presidents, they have the same concern. Am I doing good? Am I a good leader? Am I enjoying what I'm doing? Am I enjoying my family as well as my employees and my teams? Am I enjoying being part of the community? Everybody, every single person can go to work, put their nose to the grindstone and work eight hours and then go home. We didn't think you had to enjoy it, but more and more, we want to. And so the leaders are realizing if they want to, so do the new hires want to feel like they're doing something great, that they're part of the team, that they're all for one, one for all, that they understand the purpose of the organization that, and that they're, they're, they are they're want to be part of that purpose or they wouldn't have said yes to the job or that's how mm-hmm. it's becoming. They're not saying yes to every job. Right. Now. People are saying, what are you doing for the community? What is my role here going to be? What are the meetings like? Will I have any, you know, any input? I want input. I want to be seen. So mm-hmm. even at the very top, people are realizing how do I feel good about this? Because being a boss just doesn't cut it anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, being- and that Mm-mm.
0: it's it's so true. And even you you made a comment about the two thousand eight thing about just more my more of my age, but I I grew up being told that like they, Luke, they don't pay you to enjoy your job. They pay you to do a job. Mm. And so it's, it's a big, so even for me, like where I'm at now, it's, it's a big transition and bot and I'm, and bosses are having to think in a different way than they, then more than likely they at least came up through whatever corporate ladder that they grew they they grew because they do have to connect they do have to retain their employees they they yeah. do want to have have good reviews on glassdoor so that the next candidate says yes
1: right who was why would they want to be miserable through all that
0: yeah no, exactly and for the first time i act i act and people might think it's silly but i actually took a lower paying job because i liked the camaraderie community I call it, I use the word vibe a lot. Like I liked mm-hmm. the vibe of the office that I'm in now. And I couldn't honestly be happier with where I'm at. Yeah. Um, and it was, and it, and it was the lower paying option, but it just, it's been close to a year now and I don't regret it at all.
1: Yeah. Well, you are in touch with your soul, with your heart and with where we're all going now, you know, looking for that fulfillment and that meaning and I remember years ago, um, I'm going to say it again. I think you're too young, but it, it came out in the news, is big study. And you can tell me if you're not that young. But I remember everyone being shocked because this big study came out that said workers would rather get a compliment or a pat on the back than a raise. It it was mm-hmm. that sad that they were working and weren't noticed or weren't given, mm-hmm. shown appreciation that, that that was what people, how people were answering in this study, and that said so much. I'll never forget that. I mean, every, it it floored everybody.
0: Yeah, and I remember. I don't know if it's that particular study or one that was like just came just after it, but it was the but it was a survey of like why are people quitting, mm-hmm. and money was like number five or six or seven. Like it, but one one was like relationship. Two was. Um, I like I said Vibe but office environment there yeah but money was so low on it and there has been this big switch to enjoying what you actually do and following eight, eight, a day passion. Or more, right
1: loop eight hours a yeah. day or more how can you be how long can you be miserable at eight every day eight hours a day right yeah Richard Branson just had uh, came out with uh, an, an article in an interview. And he talked about EQ is more important than IQ, the emotional quotient of a person, their compassion, their, um, you know, their emotional connection with people, their interest in people, and clearly he's talking about leaders, we're getting them farther, their success was greater than those who concentrated on their IQ and tried to do everything from the brain rather than from the heart and the human connection is about heart it's nothing to do with brain it changes everything when you are honest and you look at someone and you tell them how they feel and you make them feel good
0: that that i mean yes nail nail on the head yes Mm -hmm. um i i love everything you're saying and it actually makes me want to ask on the flip side of it. Cause we just, I just asked you that part about like leaderships and C-suites and higher ups, but what, but what would you say to the, those that are mid, mid level n- new hires, whatever it might be that are looking to move up with the company and develop those traits to be a, to be an effective leader.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Listen, you know we're okay. we're so used to bosses talking. It, I grew up in meetings where I didn't say anything really, or I answered the boss's question about did you do this and how did it go. Mm-hmm. But I would have appreciated, and I think that's what's changing now: input in in the beginning of looking for a solution. And I think mm-hmm. the more that new hires or rising stars, we can call them, are suggesting. And earnestly suggesting, have, have looked at everything that's going on and have some really good suggestions that they will talk about, will bring to the attention of people who can make that happen in the company, I think those people are going to go far. And if it's not acceptable to the boss that's still the old-fashioned boss there, then they'll find a place where they can be a real part of of the key team because because they deserve that and they want that. And I think I think it is clearly happening. We're talking about it, and I think the bosses who needed to leave during COVID left. I think mm-hmm. clearly, there are people who are not comfortable giving up their power, and so it's okay if they leave, retire. <laughs> it's time.
0: <laughs> no, agreed. And I think if I'm not mistaken, COVID brought about like one of the one of the largest, if not the largest, like career changing markets that has at least been recorded and I may be wrong. Yeah. And I'm part of that statistic. I went back to school and started a whole new career when COVID hit. So Mm -hmm. things are changing. And I also think things are changing for the better.
1: I think it was a near death experience. It felt like, you know, it was a real, real frightening time, you know, Mm My mom got COVID, she survived, but I know a lot of people who didn't survive. And it was real, it was a real wake-up call, a real wake-up call. And and all of a sudden, we looked at our life, it like flashed before us, and it was like, ugh. <laughs> and uh, right. you know, I think that's a good thing. I think we're you know in a rocky place because we have to find our footing. Mm-hmm. it's not all wonderful clearly not everybody is happy not everybody's found where they they're going to land but mm-hmm. we're getting there
0: we're getting there it's in one step at a time one day at a time yeah. it's not all going to happen at once um i, I want to run through a brick wall you're motivating me now <laughs> um, <laughs> um we are we are unfortunately getting closer to the end of our like one hour episode. Um, so I do want to make sure I do hit a couple of things that I'm really excited to hear about. And, and one of those, because you actually answered most of my questions just naturally. Um, but, but I like to ask, someone turns on this podcast or jumps on YouTube, whatever, however they're listening, 50 minutes in, they didn't hear anything else, but... You, but you have a takeaway message that you want everyone to hear. Um, or if you could give one takeaway message that everyone should hear. And it didn't have to be just one. Not everybody gives just one. But what would that message be?
1: Look at your life. If this is the next 30 years of your life, is this enough? If you know that something's missing, if you know that you've put something on the back burner, I say you can jump or you can slide it into your life. And sliding into your life is very gratifying. So whatever it is, if you love to sing and you can't imagine how you could make a penny because you don't sing well, and you're already an attorney, take a couple of voice lessons. Join some kind of a group once a week, once every two weeks. Don't close your heart to what your gift is because everything will change you will find another part of you and so will everyone else if you even slide that love that purpose into your life
0: beautiful that's beautiful and and we talked about it earlier and we understand that it can be scary and it is scary it's uncomfortable but there's beauty in just doing it
1: the more of us that are brave enough the more we'll inspire other people and yes. that's i think that's one of the responsibilities we have for being here for being on this planet together for for helping each other for making it a safe safer place to be and a joyful place to be if we if we understand and we we share what we love to do
0: beautiful period like i i love that and i mean mm-hmm. that's how this podcast started i love hearing people's stories and i love bringing positivity into the world and just, i didn't know how to do a podcast um <laughs> but i i just you i just started it I figured it out figuring it out um that's good but just started and so, but with in, in closing i do want to give you like an opportunity like to quote-unquote market yourself but more importantly like if people want to continue this conversation with you if they want to learn more about you if they want to donate to the cause all all the above like how can they do all of these things
1: well if they want to find me my website's jennethypichero.com if they want to donate or find out more about pajama program that's pajamaprogram.org easy 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 yeah and i'm happy to talk to anybody about their purpose brainstorm um share anything i can do so just find me on my website email me and we'll find some time
0: perfect thank you and do you have do you have any social medias that people can follow because i just know social media is a big thing now
1: yeah yeah i'm on everything i'm not on tiktok yet i will be but (laughs) everything else yep just look for me look for my name
0: perfect i'll make sure that i i'll make sure that that's all tagged linked everything in the description for this podcast for people to easily access um of course and jen i i do want to say thank you for taking this time out of your very busy day thank you for also bearing with me through the technical issues we had at the beginning
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's nothing compared to other things that will happen and you handled it like a pro you didn't even sweat
0: i appreciate that um Jen, again, thank you so much. I know you're super busy, but we we do like to we do sign off by saying bye to the people. So I just want to say bye and thank you.
1: Bye, people. <laughs> Thanks for to Luke's friends and listeners and viewers. I I hope that we we motivated you and inspired you to really think what you think about what your heart's saying to you.
0: I think we have, and I think more importantly, you have. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Luke.
0: Thank you for listening to the Helpful Huddle Podcast. Remember to give us a like and a follow on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter with the user handle at helpful underscore huddle and the YouTube channel at Helpful Huddle Podcast. You are also able to listen to us on both Spotify and Apple Podcast. The links are also found in the description below. Please reach out with your questions on topics that you would like to learn about in the future.